everybody, and welcome to the third season of IWAS with your hosts, Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. So what are we talking about this week, Jamie? Well, this week's episode is entitled Tools of the Trade, Dog Training Technology. Yeah. Now, people love to buy products that promise to make their lives easier or more convenient. And with all the difficulties that people run into while training and living with their dogs, it's no surprise there's a wide range of products that offer to help you train your dog. Now, they vary widely in price, ease, and enjoyability of use, and of course, their effectiveness. In this episode, I think we should talk about which of these products are worth your time and effort and which ones are a waste of time and energy. So which products do you guys think are the best and the worst when it comes to training I think dogs? very generally, um, time is the issue. So I like to first look at products which are going to have an automatic effect on behavior. Um, like a chew toy, for example, we stuff with food because it, it now limits what the owner has to do. All they have to do is stuff the chew toy and then magic is created. The dog lies down more, barks less, doesn't chew you know, things around the house, as opposed to products that require the owner working the product or controlling it, like, mm. um, like a leash, for example. That requires a lot of time and it requires a lot of skill. And then, of course, we have a big split between are these tools like fun, positive products, or are they products that are designed to punish the animal and, and or, or, or maybe they're unpleasant to use? Mm -hmm. All right, well, let maybe start with what do you think is the single best product for <laughs> dog training? That's easy. Well, let's all guess then. All right, I, I, I'm ready I to go guess. with mine. All right, should we on the count of three say it all at the same time? And see ah, I've changed my mind. Well, okay, I'm ready. Okay, the single best product for, for for training a dog. For training a dog. In your training arsenal. Product. All right, on three. Well, I, ha I have a list of... All right, we'll do it on three. <laughs> but I have a list of loads of them. I've changed my mind. Okay. Right, there one, are, yeah, it's a difficult Two, three. Hollow chew toy. Phrase. Stuffed chew toy. Oh, well, that's not that's a tool. No, no, well, I, I, well, it is a tool white in training, and it's free. Oh, we're talking about free. What are you wittering on I about, I thought he said Ross? white bread, but he said light bread. Light bread. Light, light bright. bright. The right. magical tool. Our sound engineer has never trained a dog. <laughs> no. So, so <laughs> I'm the light bright. <laughs> my first choice was stuffed chew toy. Then I thought, no, actually food has so many uses. Mm. Then I thought, well, actually, no, better than food is praise because this is a tool that we don't need to phase out. See, mm. every other tool, I think you have to ask the question, is this a temporary training tool to teach the dog and then we don't use it again? Mm -hmm. Or is this a permanent management tool okay I, w I would consider food but i would say that under the uh, under the concept of this particular episode we're talking about things that you can purchase and that are tangible well, not some people have to buy praise they're so miserable <laughs> you've got to tell them go to the store and buy a packet of praise but are not right. tangible I, I won't talk about praise but then. i understand as long as we can have a whole program on it on we, praise yeah, certainly uh, certainly uh, verbal feedback where that came from. you're the best dad yeah so now <laughs> i can go with um well, once I, I, I was coming back for seminars, landing in Oakland, and as you know, I never mention what I do to people on planes, otherwise they're going to talk to me for, I mean, imagine a trip right. to New Zealand, 14 hours talking about their dog. So I, I just bury myself in a book or newspaper. I'm an accountant. But I was landing in Oakland, this was years ago, and the guy sitting next to me, he turns to me and he says, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm going to pick up a new puppy now. 
And I thought, oh, I, I cannot keep quiet. Uh -huh. So I thought, well, before we taxi to the gate, I have got three minutes to think of what's the most important advice I could give to this guy. And so I took everything that I knew and it came down to two things. Uh -huh. And it was, don't feed your dog out of a bowl, hand feed him. And the rest of the food you have left over, moisten it, stuff it in a chew toy and freeze it and give it to your dog in the morning. And I thought that one sentence, the two bits of advice, and the mm -hmm. most important advice you can give, food is the best tool we have mm -hmm. as a lure, as a reward, as a motivator, as a distractant, and for many, sadly, as a bribe. And then the stuffing food in chew toys is going to have the biggest effect on the dog's behavior for the smallest investment of time and energy on the part of the owner. Right. So I totally agree with your choice. So we can say three for three. We all said hollow chew toy. Um, I think that's interesting also to note that uh, in terms of tools that are useful and tools that hurt, that for your new puppy, the dog bowl is one of the worst tools that you could purchase. Because yes. you're wasting all of this valuable food. Banish the food bowl. Right. The tool, yeah, I mean, it's a life source, it's a resource. Use it, use it to your advantage. Yeah, I, I think that we should probably come out with like a Dog Star Daily food bowl. And, and this is like a cup that you win when you win a golfing competition or something. When you buy the food mm. bowl for your dog, what you're saying is, you know, you're perfect Socialized. for me. It's obedient. You are, you've it's got under it. under control. But and even you, so. And you're three years old, and even you now so. get a Dog Star Daily food Why bowl. Why take away the food? Um, dispensing toys because mm -hmm. the dogs love them throughout their life it keeps them busy it gives them you know uh, something to do it's an outlet it's a you know a physical outlet it's mm -hmm. a mental stimulation right. it's something they can do on their own which what do you is mean really why nice. take them away well why, i mean you don't need why ever go to the food bowl oh yes no why, i mean of yes, course you don't take a... them away but you know why yeah. you know you don't want you, the goal isn't necessarily graduate your puppy to a food bowl I food think. bowl manufacturers are hating us right now but <laughs> But it, it's well, they true. need to get into hollow two toy, toy business. business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a whole... But you know, your idea in that that toy, I mean that toys, that tools should be, um, you know, that time is of the essence, and that tools should be, that auto shape are, are great, is a good one. But I was looking at it from the other point. I knew there was view. a but. I knew that <laughs> when you started that sentence, I thought I'm waiting for the word but. <laughs> yeah, but. Because no, it's good. I mean, it's it, it's it's very important, but. But. <laughs> However, However, I'm going to be the butt of your joke. To the contrary. Like Kiwi Herman. Everybody I know has a big butt. Um, but. <laughs> I can't think. On the other hand, I hate the idea of uh, what I think of, of, of tools. I often think that people think that tools have some kind of magical power or are going to work all on their own. And that's that's the other side of the coin with that. You know, and it's not people's fault. I think, I mean... Oh, I think there's there's multiple facets to the blame here, and I think that when people when companies sell products, they try and convince you that your their product is going to solve your problems. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's millions That's of true. dollars being spent trying to convey this idea that whatever they're selling, it's going to fix your life or fix your dog's life. Yeah, and especially if we're talking drugs. I mean, they're marketed as it's going to house train your dog and stop him barking and stop him chewing mm -hmm. and, and all this stuff, and it, and it's just not true. Tools and, don't and work in a vacuum. Shameful. No, they. Well, an auto-shaping product well, will. In a vacuum? Not in a vacuum, fool. In outer space. In a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be able to breathe. <laughs> so auto-shaping tools work on their own, and, and it's a separate category. But if the tool, so, so, so like a halter is a great example. Yeah, people buy a halter, they absolutely misuse it. 
and 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 for me, it, I I think that, I mean, it annoys me so much when people are buying what is uh, described as a training tool, and and here we could look at the spectrum: a halter, a gentle leader, at the other end of the spectrum, say a shock collar, mm -hmm. and what they do is. They buy it, they unwrap it, they put it on, they use it. They've just shot themselves in the foot right there. The dog learns in one session, oh, I can't pull with this device on my muzzle, or I can't run off now, I've got this bloody great battery hanging around my neck, which is going to zap me. And, and, and so the right way to use any tool, if you want it to be a temporary training tool, is buy it, put it on, but don't use it. Let so the dog get used to it. A difference between a training aid and management, I guess, is the other yes, thing. Yes, well, that's the decision about. you and have to make. Any tool can be used appropriately or abused, virtually any tool. You know, I mean, you can use, take the crate, for instance. You know, you can villainize the crate, or you can it, use absolutely. it. Absolutely. Or you can use it yeah. to um, its full, you know, usefulness by, you know, having a, a dog that eventually has complete freedom from the crate. No, you're making my point entirely. That the crate has many uses, uh, gentle leader or the halters have many, many uses, but because people aren't thinking, they now have no choice in the matter. There's no clear instructions that say, don't use this the day you put it on. Yes, there are. Otherwise... Oh, people just don't read. Come on, how, how many times do you read the... Well, you do actually read instructions. Well, there's a lot of, read instructions. There's a lot of products out there. I'm sure some have clear. instructions and some are... Could have better instructions. People yeah. don't. People I, I, just like I mean, let's let's on. move. I'd like to take an example. A gentle leader. I mean, we actually made a decision with Claude. We were going to use a gentle leader with him as a management tool, because Kelly said I had to teach him to walk on leash, and I said no, you teach him to walk on leash. It's You're really not good at, at it. At all. This reality of the situation. Well, how do you remember it then? <laughs> you, you tell me <laughs> okay. your your view of my reality. Well, which I remember so clearly. Claude came with a gentle leader. He was already trained to walk in a gentle leader. I used it once or twice. I don't usually use training tools very often, so I took it off of him. I stopped using it for about a year with decent success. He was a slow mover, a plotter that eventually, occasionally would dart after a squirrel. But um, then we were going on our first uh, trip without, you know, where someone else was going to be taking care of Claude. And I thought, oh no, we have to deal with this this darting issue and he's really uh, strong so i thought you know what oh well, this hey. is this is the truth folks this is what really happened but I, trained, I wouldn't know because i wasn't walking close he's trained with yes. a gentle leader why don't i use that again and and then i see yeah. and since we had um so many different dog care people coming and going especially in his early years that were maybe not as experienced as our later dog care people i just left it on his leash Okay, so let's split products into three and, and about the whole notion of is it temporary or, or permanent. Mm -hmm. Let's say Kelly already brought up uh, stuffed chew toys. Um, why shouldn't it be permanent? It's entertainment for the dog. Right. So I would say, no, we're giving it to the dog as an auto-shaping toy. Life and he's going to have it forever. It's a, it's a training yeah. tool initially because yeah. it keeps them from, you know, focuses their chewing it on appropriate items. It redirects the attention onto, yeah. However, it's also a recreational Plaything play yeah. and, and hobby, hobby. Yeah, so great. with that, we don't mind it being a permanent tool, and we want it to be a permanent tool. We then move to something like a halter, and we say, well, it'd be kind of nice if we use this to talk, teach the dog to walk nicely on leash, but we want to have the option of not using it, having to use it forever. But if we have to, it's not that bad because it, it's kind of benign. But I think it should very clearly say on the package, don't connect this up when you put it on the dog. Let him wear it for a week to get used to it. Then give another contingent cue, like scent his collar, connect it up, bingo, he learns. Oh, you can't pull with this new scent. And then have him wear it for another week, and now he's back to the collar again. He doesn't pull, you take it off. However, if the tool causes pain, 
and it's like, say, a, a shock collar. I think it's, it should be written in red packets, so, like they write on cigarette packets now in different countries. Cigarettes kill mm -hmm. in great big black letters. Big, you know. Great big cancerous lung. Yeah, so it should say very clearly on this device, because it's a device to cause pain, it should say, do not put this on and use it within the first week. Let the dog wear this. Okay. Then you add in the new contingent cue. Maybe you scent his collar so it smells different, new leather, you know, cleaner or something. And he puts on this collar and thinks, oh, it smells differently today. I'm going to run off, zap, all right, I won't. Okay, I was warned to sit, I didn't, I got zapped. Why the contingent well, cue of scent? If you just want them to not know that the collar has anything to do with it, I mean, why have a contingent cue at because all? Because all of a sudden he's getting a punishment out of the blue. He has to make sense out of this. He's been running off loads and loads of times, and we want him to know, now you can't. It doesn't have to be a uh, olfactory cue. It can be a verbal one. Now, but instead you don't of saying want him to think it's attached to the, we want well, yeah, that. We, we don't want the dog to associate the punishment with the device, and he will if you take it out of the package, put it on, and use it. And right. that now means you have to use that device forever, and that's just downright inhumane. But now so, instead uh, you yeah. just have to use the scent forever. That's what I mean. Like why even introduce that if you just get to use I, the I just collar gave one example. You can use a verbal cue instead uh, of saying yeah. sit. You can say siéntate. Mm -hmm. So the dog learns. Wow, when they speak Spanish, if I don't sit immediately, <laughs> I get a zap. But the point is, you need a contingent cue that is going to be permanent because we want yes. permanent training. We don't want the 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 dog's reliability to be based on mm. the collar. So, and this is aside from discussions. Should we even? use a shock collar should the general public do that well, let's go down our list I'm sure we go down our list yes of, of yeah, different I don't have tools. a list but go down your there's list there's a list come on we have one here um we have we have different types of tools we have containment tools the good and the bad of containment tools right we have crates collars leashes and x pens now I think we got to start at the top and start with oh. food I mean food is the biggie that's the, not the, a container. The biggest tool, okay. but it's the biggest tool. Is uh -huh. it on your list? No. It's not on your list? You don't have food on your list? I didn't I didn't oh. include food. I didn't, this isn't an all-inclusive list. I didn't list, think of that as a technology. <laughs> I see. I yeah. Um, I think it's the most useful tool for owners because you've ruled out my praise and, <laughs> and a lot of people do not have the affect to right. you know, relate with their dog. We have to teach them how to play, how to praise, how to reprimand and stuff. And just putting a food treat in their hand makes it so easy for them now to teach the dog a hand signal. Um, however, it has the same problem as many tools. Um, don't want to be dependent on it other forever. other tools. Than, than, yes, that people aren't phasing it out. Right. And, and I think this is a great shame because of the knock-on effect that another trainer may say, oh, look, that, that food doesn't work. You're still doing it. Week six, and you've still got your, your food lure in your hand, or you've still got your clicker. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think in the training program, we have to say we're going to use the food. Then we're going to phase it out so that we know we have the reliability. Well, and you're talking as without. a training tool with as a lure, because, frankly, you never phase out food, and you're never going to phase out <laughs> rewards. No, you didn't uh, listen to the end of the sentence which is so you can prove that you could get reliability if you wanted it and you didn't have food in your hand. See, we have to prove no, that. No, I did hear that. I'm just oh, you saying, did? I'm oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying... Second... No, I'm not saying you want to stop 
feeding the dog, obviously. <laughs> Making it clear to um, people that if yes, food, that's, you know, obviously you'll feed your dog. We love, obviously as always, we love clarification. That would be helpful for uh, saving on the cost of owning a dog. You yeah. phase out food. <laughs> but it, here's the point. Here's the point. Or, okay. And that you don't phase out as a reward. That's my point. Rewards are... You know, you oh, I would dog. no, I would phase it out as the reward. It's not a very effective reward at all when you get to adolescence. You've got to replace it with things like chasing squirrels or being chased or having tummy you rubs can, or tennis balls. You can use it though on occasion. We all use food rewards. Absolutely, but you must prove to yourself that you have reliability at times when you don't have this reward on your person at yes. the moment. We're getting a Absolutely. lot of people if they don't have food in their hand or on their person, mm-hmm. the dog won't do it which then makes other trainers make the assumption and many owners see food or science-based right. training isn't reliable, so we have to use aversive stimulation. So it's not only compromising not true. your dog's behavior, it's compromising the whole method in the whole thing this, in yeah. the public's view but that's about... execution and technique you yeah know, that's a whole other issue but it is the, that, it, that's with every tool yeah it is the biggest reason why we think that aversive stimuli are necessary for reliability because people aren't using food correctly mm-hmm. they're, they're, everyone's doing beginner lure reward training and beginner clicker training but i want to see the dog at week six do his routine at a distance verbal control only and the owner's naked <laughs> Or doesn't have a clicker and they don't have any food. They can have clothes on. Yeah. So that's food. So now we move to your list. (laughs) Well, my my list started with what I thought were the most basic of dog training technologies. And that included a collar, a leash, and a crate. Which I thought all more or less worked towards the same goal, which was being able to control where your dog was, confining your dog. Yeah. And X-Pens, too. Little, you know, long-term confinement. Okay, that's that's a big crate, right? Or, yeah. you know, like a, yeah, a gate, puppy a gates, pen, yeah. puppy uh-huh. gates, things like that, which all have useful, you know, a- useful applications. Yeah. The crate is an awesome tool right. to keep dogs out of trouble when they're not being supervised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always like to tell people when you're, it's not only for when you're not physically present, but when you're not able to be mentally present, you know, mm-hmm. when you're really focused on paying the bills the day, and, yeah. you know, you're... You're not paying attention. Don't you have the story about you sitting in the room, you and Mimi in the room? Well, it's three of us sitting on the couch while the dog's eating it, and none of us noticed. Yeah, oh, we thought it was an earthquake. He's chewing but so quietly. It's a Malamute yeah. eating the couch. It wasn't quiet. That was a oh. thing. He was pulling the couch like this and jerking us, and we thought it was an earthquake. And then we looked down on the side of the couch. The wood has been chewed away. So what you've got yeah, to be, yeah. when you're going to be, you know, um, mentally present and you know your dog you can supervise your dog then they're free but otherwise they should have downtime in a safe place where they're not going to get into trouble or develop any bad habits Mm -hmm. that said because so many people work long hours and are trying to crate train their dog for house training purposes you can't get people who really overuse the crate um you know dogs that are crate trained really should get out for frequent Mm -hmm. training and play interludes um and not be in there for a you know, six to eight hours, ten hours at a stretch, mm-hmm. day in, day out, that becomes like solitary confinement, chew toy or no, I think. Oh, yeah, it's the question again, is do you want it to use it as a training tool? Fantastic, as you say, you know, to keep the dog out of trouble, to auto-shape him chewing his chew toy, and to predict when he wants to pee and poop so we can house train him. But the whole point of crate training was so he can have the free run of the house and garden crate training for the rest of his life. Done right means a yeah. free dog for, for life. Absolutely. You know? right. He's confined in puppyhood, but his entire adulthood for 14 years, he can be on the couch upstairs or in the kitchen. He can be trusted because now he knows what to do. But so many people think it's just about potty training. I just talked to a woman the other day who, you know, they, they know they need the crate when they're not home. 
But then they have this, you know, 2,000 square foot house where the dog has been, the puppy, I should say, is let free when they come home. This is the physically present but mentally absent thing. The puppy is out of sight and, you know, and she says, you know, and he's, you know, we've (coughs) used the crate, but he's chewing my shoes and he's getting into my my rugs and... Well, straight away there we say, well, yeah, you've used the crate, but incorrectly. You know, you, you don't leave a dog with a puppy in a crate for eight hours. When you leave, he should have been in a long-term confinement area. So go back to Dogstar Daily, free download, before you get your puppy. And that's what you would do with a new puppy, an adopted adult dog, a new kitten, an adopted adult cat. And we use the crate to teach it things so it can eventually have free run of the house. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the X-Pen would come in. The X-Pen would form the long-term confinement area, right. which needs to have a toilet in it or if you have a puppy. puppy gates, which are great for just keeping the puppy within oh, your sight yeah. and out of rooms where there's more trouble to get into. You know, some rooms are more puppy-friendly than others, uh, mm-hmm. dog-proofed, you know, better than others. And um, I think people really re- need to realize that, you know, that, that dogs, young dogs and new dogs need uh, as much supervision as a toddler would in your home. And uh, mm-hmm. whether you make that happen by crating occasionally or tethering with a collar and leash or puppy crates, yeah. I mean, gates, you know, so it's up to you. Crates, collars, leashes, food are all valuable training tools, but are also tools that you need to use correctly and can be used incorrectly. Uh, what about tools that are used for punishing your dog? You know, that's a whole other area. Are these valuable tools? And is there a way to use them correctly where they, you know, are going to help your dog's behavior? Well, I mean, my, my view is... What, what are the different yeah. types of so, tools? And... Uh, my view is if you know the skills that you need to operate um, a punishment tool like a metal collar and you're jerking the leash or, you know, some kind of shock collar, mm-hmm. if you have the skills necessary to operate it, so you have good understanding of dog behavior, really good knowledge of learning theory, impeccable instantaneous timing and manual dexterity, then you don't need the device because you've got a trained dog. So you're an ex- expert. And I, I think the, the use of these devices goes to the fact that um, reward training um, lure reward training, clicker training has not been done to criterion and so people say it doesn't work we need to do this to get a reliable dog and it's blatantly untrue I, you don't. I think it even begins before that you're absolutely right but I also think before that most people they have a puppy that uh, is doing you know puppy things like nipping or doesn't know how to come when called yet or whatever it may be or maybe an adolescent that's really pulling all the time and it's becoming challenging to walk them and people get frustrated Mm-hmm. Um, what they, for some reason, miss is that they've never trained the right thing. You know, you, 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 most people use a punishment tool or seek a punishment tool out when they are now angry and frustrated or at their wit's end. Let's look at something like the scat mat, you know, something where they don't want the puppy on the couch and, or a countertop, and they have you know, um, a device that either makes an alarm noise or shock, has a, a, a shocking static a, shock a, when you, yeah. effect. Um, so that when the puppy is on the, gets on the couch or on the counter, they can, you know, they'll be punished for that. Well, my, my first thought is, well, why is that puppy free to be on the couch when you're not there to take him off? It goes back to the crate training or the right. Oh, absolutely. And if you or... stuffed a Kong and you tied it to an eye hook in the wall by his bed, well, the dog would be lying on his mat. He wouldn't be near the couch. But I, I think bringing up this product, the, the, the products which cause pain um, or startle the dog, they, they fit into two types. Some are automatic, 
like Scatmat mm-hmm. or the Invisible Fence. Right. And if installed correctly, now they have to be installed correctly, um, the dog could get one, two or three shocks during installation. Now he can be outside and he won't leave his, his fence, invisibly installed fenced correctly area. Installed and trained correctly. That's what I'm saying. Okay. But that's what I mean by installed. Install. If okay. the dog is trained correctly. However, if you get a cowboy trainer, he could be shocked 40 times and he's still going to blow through the fence. So you have to train the dog correctly. Um, then his quality of life does improve. Da, 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 da. Another type of product is when a person is deciding when pain is administered. Like all of the metal collar products and the shock collar products. We move into a whole new realm now because, as I said, the person who is operating it, who has usually proved they don't have the requisite skills to operate it because mm-hmm. that's why the dog's misbehaving. I mean, our dogs don't run off because we trained them and phased out all the toys and games and food so now they can be walked off leash and they will sit when we say so. And because you build a bond through training oh, abso- and classical absolutely. conditioning and function, yeah. the dog wants to be near you and doesn't actually choose to. So it sounds like you essentially... Self-reinforce. It's, it's difficult and it requires expertise to operate a punishment-based training tool. And if you have expertise, then there are easier ways to and go it's about not training. Necessary. It's not necessary in, in any way. I mean, when dogs are being punished, it's generally already a human error that has caused them to be in a situation where they now need to be punished you know, mm-hmm. for our expectations that we never properly taught them to, to meet. Right. And I think, I mean, Kelly hit the nail on the head. It's like you always want to have this mantra in dog training. If that is wrong, what is right? There's a number of reasons why teaching a dog what to do and rewarding him are better than waiting for the dog to misbehave and and then punishing him. It's just more efficient, and, for one. Well, number one, it's more efficient. Words out of my mouth. The, there's the tongue, there's only one right way. There, there's a hundred things a dog can do wrong in this park. But if you taught him to walk to like walking by your side or to sit on cue, you, you just eliminate. The other thing is, apart from efficiency, time efficiency, it's just quicker to teach the dog where to pee, what to chew, uh, to sit, for example, than it is to punish him for all the mistakes he could come up with. Um, But the other thing is the effectiveness, that in order for punishment to work, see, it works in the laboratory where learning theory comes from, but that's computers training rats. In the park, it's a person, and people simply aren't consistent. And so the first thing the dog learns is when he doesn't get punished, when he's off leash, when you're at work, okay? Whereas with reward training, you can actually be totally dizzy-headed. You can, you can reward a dog at random. You can forget to reward a dog, and it just maintains his behavior better. I mean, think slot machine as opposed to food vending machine. This is what, you know, irregular reinforcement does. Right. It, it now maintains that behavior much better. But with punishment, if you miss the behavior once, if you turned your back and now the dog misbehaved, you've got a big problem. The dog has learned, oh, when they turn their back, I can do what I like. When I'm out of range, I can do what I like. When I'm off leash, I can do what I like. So thinking about reward training and how much more efficient and uh, speedy and effective it is, and thinking about automatic type, you know, training devices, that have up till now seemingly only been attached with punishment, what would you like to see 
kind of in the future of dog training technology? Oh, I mean, this is the question. It's not what I would like to see. It's what's going to happen in the next two and three years. We are going to be swamped with automatic reward training products. And, and it's just going to change the world Why for now? pet dogs. Um, it's, it's the time to happen that we've, you know... I mean, hasn't um, this been something that could have happened for the past... Yeah, that, that we basically haven't had companies that have had the money or the engineers or the wherewithal to do it, but now or the, the brain situation, power. the brain power... The brain trust. The brain trust, yeah. But now um, Premier Pet Products is just, are just going to run with this. They, they have... Um, uh, you know, there's a number of patents that we have on these positive products. And these are products that you just put it in the house with the dog who lives in an apartment, say in Beijing or in uh, Moscow, you know, really densely urban areas, and the dog simply cannot bark. Well, within a few hours, the dog doesn't want to. He wants to lie down next to this machine because it rewards him for being quiet. It's so simple. So latchkey dogs, their lives will be improved? And... It, it, absolutely. That now they will be doing acting in a way that the owners want and and the and the trouble to the owner is nothing just buy the machine plug it in turn it on and your dog is trained now i don't think this is the way to train a dog i i, I think yeah, like it you, goes back to the relationship yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for a lot of people they want this they like in japan they're away from home for 14 hours in a day and they're still getting dogs whether yeah they're but in this machine you turn it on it will reward the dog when he uses his toilet it will reward the dog when he lies on his mat it would explain to him that was three barks. You should be quiet now, and all done reward so only. So, what makes yeah. this different? I'm gonna have to play devil's advocate here because at the beginning we're talking about how products right. claim to automatically fix your dog's train your dog life, and, and you, all you gotta do problem. is turn them on. And... Oh, I'll, t I'll tell you what makes it different. That uh, let's uh, let's take a drug, for example, used for separation anxiety. Won't mention any names. And this was meant to solve uh, house soiling, hyperactivity, and barking. So I read the 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 research done on it. And their behavioral index was, they asked the owner, is the dog better, worse, or the same? <laughs> Duh. We're talking about barking or activity. Why didn't we count the barks or the number of steps the dog took? So these products do that. At the end of the day, you push a button and it says, your dog barked 99 times today. That was a great improvement over yesterday when it was 1,142 So you're bucks. talking about subjective and information versus totally absolute Totally objective, data. yeah. This is hardcore objective data. For one thing, data. as far as, it, as, far as it, whether it works or not. So, I mean, you skipped kind of a jump to point there. Oh, yes. So just the fact that they and so, well, what we people do, about medicine. Um, well, I didn't skip a point. I was probably speaking too slowly for you. So, um, the, <laughs> so you're finishing the point. You put the machine in the house and it gets a baseline. Then you turn it on and you say, look no, at that. This works. Did. This is amazing. What did you mean? I just meant when you're talking about the drugs, you went right from saying the drug is meant to do all these things and then they ask the owners what oh, yeah. it does. But you didn't, and, yeah. and the effect isn't there anyway. When they ask the owner, it's this wishy-washy effect, yet you're talking about a very expensive drug which has side effects and there's no evidence that it really works to house train your dog or reduce um, barking. It may change chemistry. You can't, but it, can't it, train a dog. No, can't. you've still got to house train the dog doesn't matter. Um, let's, for example, if you think a dog is anxious, by all means, give him an anxiety drug. But you've still got a house Unless train him. Unless you just him knock him out. Or teach him. Uh, or... I guess that would work. <laughs> I can't even finish a <laughs> phrase, let alone a sentence. Yeah. Um, anyway, now these devices, they collect information. You have absolute hardcore evidence. Oh, my word, your dog was pacing. He was taking 9,000 steps in a day. Now he takes 52. He now spends all day sleeping like all good dogs should. They should <laughs> sleep all night. 
and sleep all day. And, and so that they are actually doing research on the product as it's operating. It gives the owner a lot of feedback that this product may end up costing, say, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, but wow, they know within one day it really works. And you needn't turn it off. And we, we found, my co-inventor and I were looking at one of these products that he um, was a researcher on attachment theory in human babies. And he says, you know, these dogs are putting out all the signs that they are attaching to this little machine. So, so I want to have the machine to have like two big eyes and a nose, you know, it's like your, your puppy's best friend puppy at nanny. home. Yeah, puppy nanny. That's a good, that's a good name. So th that I think is um, the way for the future. And, and these products will then go into, you'll have reward collars, reward leashes that will not just train the dog, they'll train the owner. So you just attach it to the dog and it tells you what to do. It says red light, stand still. Green light, it may actually say, praise your dog. He's being really good. He hasn't pulled for five steps. Uh -huh. You see, so everything is possible. And, and, and instead, as, as you say, they've, they've only, or automated products have only been shock products. Mm -hmm. and, and I can tell you why. Because when automated products were invented, that's how experiments were done in the laboratory, the computer had to praise and reprimand by kibble or shock. A computer couldn't go, <clears throat> oh, that's really good. I like that. Instead, he would give a little bit of kibble or he'd go zap. And so it's interesting in training that different trainers only adopt half you know, of this learning theory. And we have automated shock products, but we don't have automated reward products. It's crazy. And when it happens, because it's so much more user-friendly and dog-friendly. Mm -hmm. There just gonna... won't be any controversy oh, yeah. about it. There won't be any going back. Yeah, it's, uh, And that's probably a good note to sign off, right? Yeah. When there's no going back, you've just got to say goodbye Look to people. Look forward to the future. Look forward to see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye -bye. Goodbye, everybody. That's all for this episode of iWhoops. Thank you for listening.